This sermon is brought to you by Shofar East London. Together, living out the fullness of Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. So imagine for a moment, it's a Saturday afternoon. You're illegally watering your garden with your hose pipe. And you look around and you see smoke coming from the house next door. So you're like, what is this? So you walk across and you look, you peer over the fence and you're like trying to check out what's happening. And you see smoke, you see flames starting to develop around the house, like breaking through the ceiling. And you're looking through the window and you see the family inside, mom, dad, kids, all sitting around the supper table and they are laughing and eating, and they are completely unaware that the house is on fire. What do you do? What do you do? What will your response be in a situation like that? And you know, they're not even aware that the place is on fire. It's going to burn down in the next while. And so you're like checking your watch. The box are about to place. You're like... You know, uh, how, how am I going to handle this? You know, I need to go get them out quickly so I can get to my game. <sighs> how are you going to respond? You know, love will move us. Love will say, well, I'm recording on the PVR so I can check the rugby later. You know, and so you're going you're gonna to storm in there. But there are multiple possible responses that... We could have. The one could be, it's like you like, uh, you also may be busy polishing your, your car, and you're like, oh, my house has been sprayed with this inflammable uh, material. You know, there's just no way this place is going to catch fire. So, uh, I think we're going to be okay. I'm going to be okay, so uh, I'm not going to do anything. Hmm? That could be, a, could be a response, but is that a love response? No. Or maybe you could say, uh, you know, if I have to run to my neighbor's house and I probably have to kick down the door or something, I probably have to go to shouting and I have to make a spectacle of myself, I'm going to look stupid. Nah, nah, I don't want to look stupid. I don't want to do that. It's not worth looking stupid. So, uh, no, I was good knowing you guys. <laughs> Yeah, it's probably also still not love, eh? A love response. What, how would we respond? You know, so if you want to pull this through, this metaphor, you know, it speaks about people who do not know Jesus and their house is on fire. If they die in their sins, that means an eternity without God in a place called, a place of torment called hell. You know, that's the bottom door. Staircase, bottom door. And, uh, but what I've seen with many Christians is like we, we re, if you really have committed your life to Jesus and you have discovered the gift of salvation and you've, man, you're on your way on the, the right, you're up, going upward, man. You, you have a good future ahead of you. You're not scared of death. You know you, your name's written in the book of life. You have eternity before you. It's, it's awesome. 
But for most Christians that I know, real Christians that are on their way in the right direction, they are truly concerned about the future of those who do not know Jesus. But so often we just don't know how to, how? I don't know how to help them. I don't know how to tell them, you know? So on the one hand, we're like, man, well, at least I'm going to go to heaven. Whoop, whoop. So I'm sorted. Yeah, that's one response. Another response would be, yeah, you know, it's going to maybe like be a little bit humiliating, you know? I mean, if I tell that guy what Jesus did in my life, I mean, maybe he would laugh at me or something, and I'm going to look stupid, you know? I don't want to look stupid. So we do nothing. But for a lot of Christians, it's like, man, this is war, and I need to run into this battle scenario, but I'm armed with a feather duster. I'm not very confident. Like, tickle the enemy's nose. You know, off with a feather duster. It's not very, it doesn't, you know, you're not going to be very confident, you know. But if you run in there with a serious weapon, you're like, I'm going to shoot the hell out of the help. Guys, in this series, it's about, it's more bit of an inward focus for the sake of the outward focus to equip you guys with real weapons, to stir your faith so that we can reach those on God's heart. Yeah? Because there's a lot of names, there's a lot of people on God's heart. And you know, we have received so much. I mean, if you have received the gift of eternal life, how can you not? How can we not share it with others? So we're trusting for, 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 for equipping you guys and for the grace of the Lord to come upon us so that we can reach those on God's heart. So what if, what if hell is real? Hell, fire, eternity, torment. What if it's real? Well, the reality of hell brings an urgency like nothing else. If, if the houses around your home, if they were on fire, literally, that would bring an urgency. If people's homes and their eternal destiny are at stake, it's like you, you have to do something. You have to respond. You know, if you and I would be driving around uh, town and, and we would have eyes to see into the spirit and we would be able to see you know, who, which families know Jesus and who, who do not. If we could see the flames of hell on some of the homes, if we could drive around and see into the spirit whose names are written in the book of life and whose names are not. Or every time you meet somebody and you shake their hand and you could see where what their destiny is. Wow, that would, that would bring an urgency. If you knew this person's gonna die, if you knew, it's gonna, it's gonna move us to do something, it's gonna move us to act, to respond. Because love moves us. So I'm, tr- I'm trusting that in the series, as I share this, that, that the love of the Father, the compassion of heaven would move us to reach out, but also that we would be equipped with the power of the Holy Spirit to see those far from Jesus come to him. So this is a series on evangelism. We want to build out an evangelistic culture. On the one hand, we're going to look at the gospel in all its glory, the beauty of the gospel. And on the other hand, we want to get equipped, we want to get the weapons, the tools, so that we can reach those on God's heart. So even this past week's just been awesome. You know, we started the series last week, Sunday, and we've been praying and training in the life groups, but we were like, we really 
trusting God for a shift. And so we had some epic stories this week of God beginning to move in people's lives. I want to share this to stir your faith. But one of the ladies in church, she was so moved by the message last week that she was like, I'm going to go to the, I need to, she, she needed to put in petrol in the car. So she was like, I'm going to, she feels she needs to give to one of the guys like 10 rand as a gift, not as a tip, as a gift from Jesus. So she's like, okay, I'm going to do this. So she went to the petrol station and then there was an older guy there. And then she like gave him 10 rand and she said, this is from Jesus because oh, Jesus loves you. And he was looking at her and like, are you like one of those devoted Christians? And she said, yes, yes, I am. You know, like, uh, like uh, Colby from last night, you know, it's just so awesome. The winger, the Springbok winger, when he got the man of the match and then he was like, he just wants to honor God for the, for the grace of being able to play rugby. Yo, that is amazing. That takes guts to do that on uh, live television. A devoted Christian. And she said, yes, I'm a, I'm a devoted Christian. And, and she's just come from church. And, and, and so the guy started to ask her questions about God and, 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 and things. And, and, and she had the privilege of sharing with him and then praying for him. And she said as he was walking away, he, he just had tears in his eyes. He was really, really touched. And she was like, I've never done this before. It's awesome. <laughs> you, know, you feel like a real Christian. When you do that, some, every now and again, you do something that makes you feel like a real Christian. And when you talk to others about Jesus, you feel like a real Christian. Amen. So come on, say it. I want to be a real Christian. Yes, me too. Me too. Come on, let's begin to step out. And then one of our other guys, he's an engineer here in town. And, and uh, he shared like on Wednesday, he was just working a little bit late. And one of the ladies that he works with... Um, Starts hard to ask him questions about church and about about God and things. And it came out that she was a Jehovah's Witness and she recently committed her life to Jesus. And for some reason, she asked him, like, do your church pray in tongues? Your people at your church, do they pray in tongues? And he was like, yes. And you? Yes, I do. And they started to talk about the Holy Spirit. And then he, he said it was just incredible how he had the privilege of actually praying for her at work. And she had this incredible encounter with Jesus, started to pray in tongues. It was like a beautiful encounter with the Holy Spirit. And her life was rocked right there. At work. Come on, that's good. At work. People approaching him. I love that. And then another guy um, on, on Wednesday morning, he... Uh, it was a guy that came to our church in October last year, and he, he responded to the altar call. He committed his life to Jesus, but you know, really battling with addictions and stuff, so I didn't see him again. So on Wednesday morning around half past one in the morning, he had this incredible encounter with God. Like in a dream, God appeared to him, and he was immediately awake, and then he just felt that he needed to contact Andre. So he sent me a WhatsApp, and we made an appointment later the day, and I had the privilege of sharing with him the gospel and explaining it to him and praying for him, and he, oh, it was beautiful. Again, I felt like a real Christian. It's awesome. But imagine if that were just 
amplify more and more people just suddenly having God encounters, awaking to the need for Jesus and starting even, not even us just going to them, but they just starting to contact us at work or via WhatsApp or whatever and just say, hey, can you help me? I believe that's what God wants to do. The harvest is ready. Come on, say it. The harvest is ready. The harvest is ready. There are people that are so, they are ready. Jesus is called the desire of the nations. In other words, everyone wants Jesus. They just don't know it yet. But they want Jesus. And this is where you and I need to have faith to know, hey, I know you don't think it, but you need Jesus. You want Jesus. Hey, your house burning down. (laughs) God loves you. So we need to activate our faith so that it would move us to pray so that the darkness on people's souls and minds would be moved so that they can have an encounter with Jesus. Come on, the harvest is ready. The harvest is ready. We need to go, as that song says. We need to bring them in. I tell you, when you start reaching the lost and you start seeing people turn to Jesus, it's going to cause you to come alive like nothing like nothing in this life. This is the most important question ever. When you die, where are you going? What's going to happen? What is your destination? That is what the gospel is concerned about. It is concerned about one's death. So that's the question, up or down. There are only two kinds of people in this world. Those who are saved and those who are not. So look at this verse. It says 1 Corinthians 1 verse 18. I'm trusting through this message today to reveal the beauty of the gospel and also equip us with an urgency in reaching the lost. It says, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. So yeah, if you're sitting in your house and you have no idea your house is burning and it's it's in flames and it's going to burn down and someone comes to you, hey, your house is on fire. They like... That's just stupid. My house is not. They don't know. You don't realize that you are in your sins. If you're on the other side, if you're still in the kingdom of darkness, you don't realize that you are lost. You don't realize that, you know, because most people think they're good. If you go to most memorial services, you know, most people believe in heaven. Most people say, yeah, you know, if someone dies, they're in a better place. We want to believe that. But that's not true according to the scriptures. Everybody's not in a better place. Some are in a bad place. And we need to be aware of that. Because most people think they're good. And if they are good, then surely, you know, God's going to allow them into heaven. But the truth is no one's good enough. All, everyone's falls short, short of the glory of God. No one, no one can earn their way into heaven. No one. Come on, say no one. No one. The truth is no one's good. No one's good. No one's good enough. There's only Jesus that is good enough. And we cannot be confused about this. If we get confused about this, then there will be no urgency. So it says, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. It's like, wow, oh, I realized where I was. I was on my way. I was 
going down. I was going the wrong direction. I was lost in darkness. I mean, that was where I was at. I went to a, you know, grew up in a traditional church. I heard the messages, you know. Uh, I committed my life to Christ one or two times at school, and but I, I, I lost my way every time again. I felt different for a little bit, but then I went back into the into into darkness until I got saved. Everything changed. It is the greatest miracle this world can ever see, just one soul that turns to Jesus. So what if that would be our passion? What if that would be our aim? Every time we meet somebody, we shake their hand, we just like, up or down, where are you going? <laughs> to be aware, to be aware, is their house on fire or are they been saved and on their way to heaven with, it, with us? Hallelujah. So Why? Why evangelize? Why? Why would the apostles, the original apostles, lay down their lives for the gospel? Why would Peter, the apostle, be crucified upside down? Why would Paul, the apostle, be, go through hell and back to take the gospel to the nations? If hell isn't real. I mean, why would Jesus go to the cross and go through all of that if, as some believe in universalism, that ultimately everybody will go to heaven? It doesn't make sense. Why would Jesus be in Gethsemane in that garden the day before he gets crucified and he's sweating blood and he's wrestling with God and his, his father? And it's like, Father, if there's any other way, can we please try that? If there's any other way, and I can imagine his heavenly father speaking to him, saying, my son, you know, there's no other way. There's no other way to save mankind. There's no other way to save them from eternal torment. There is no other way, but through your blood, you carry the payment in your veins, my son. Only you can pay the price, only perfection can pay the price for the sins of mankind. Only you are good enough to open the way for all. My son, only you. I mean, look at the cross. Look at the cross and see that pain, that affliction. It is a horrific way to die. That God would become flesh and that he would die on that cross. That tells me. Sin must be horrific. Look at the cross. Look at the blood. Look at the suffering that he went through. And it tells me hell must be real. Otherwise, it doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense. But in the light of an eternal separation from God, eternal torment in the fires of hell, that then definitely makes sense that Jesus would say, Let's do it. Let's do it. See, that's the beauty of the gospel. You see, the, 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 the good news that Jesus died for your sins only get real context. It becomes glorious in the light of hell. It's not that glorious if everybody's going to go to heaven one day. I wish it was so. I wish everybody would be going to heaven, but that's just not theologically correct. That's just not the truth. But in the, in the light of, of eternal separation from God, it, it, what Jesus did becomes absolutely glorious. It becomes heroic. 
It becomes beautiful. It becomes wonderful. It becomes like, you know, Jesus, you're worthy of praise. You are worthy of our lives. You are worthy, Jesus. I mean, imagine an eternity without God. Imagine an eternity without God. Imagine a place of torment you can't get out. There's just no way out. There is no, uh, can I pause this? Can I get back to some good place, please? No pause. It's the end. Eternally. So, in the light of eternal torment, everything changes. There's an urgency that just moves us. And so somebody might say, hey, come on, no, come, come. Jesus love, what's this hell stuff? You know, this is, come on, can't be. Look at this, John 12, verse 47. Jesus actually often spoke about hell. But he says here, and if anyone hears my words and does not believe, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. And you're like, oh, there you are. Jesus doesn't judge us. He came to save But then verse 48, he who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. In other words, this is the day of salvation, but there's a day coming one day which is called judgment day. And then Jesus will be the judge and he will judge all sin. And we will give an account for our lives. And we, if we are found outside of Christ, we have to pay for our own sins. And then we can't enter heaven. If we have the disease of sin within us, we can't enter heaven. I've heard so many stories, testimonies of people who died and then experienced either a heaven or a hell experience, and then they were resuscitated or somehow came back to tell the story. When I was a young believer, I think I was, I was a student like more than 20 years ago, there was an, an evangelist that came to our church, and he shared his story. He said when he was a young man, he was rebellious, he was doing drugs, he was way off track. His mother was a, a believer, and she prayed for him, but he was like on a on a road of destruction. And so he says at some point he just lost it and he took a gun and he was in front of his, their house or something, I think on the grass in front of the house. And he took a gun and he shot himself through the heart. And he fell to the ground and he says he remembers then standing next to his body, looking down at his body. His spirit left his body and he was like aware. He could see, he could sense, all his senses were alive. And then he says, and suddenly the, the earth opened up below him, and he started to descend into the abyss, into darkness. And, he, and he, just, I mean, he just says it was terrifying. He knew he was on his way to hell. Terrified. He says, as he, as he, and this is, I've heard this multiple times from different people, and the deeper you go, the more terrifying. The fear is absolutely tangible. You can feel it. And so he says he was going down into the abyss, into, into hell, and, and his mother heard the gunshot, so she ran out of the house. She found him lying there in his blood, and uh, she prayed for him. And as he was descending into hell, he started to cry out to Jesus to save him. And so somehow God showed up, and his mother's prayers worked, and he was healed, although he shot himself, somehow he was healed, and his spirit came back into his body. 
You know what? He became a Christian. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> he became a believer. You see, in the, in the reality, no one in their right mind wants to go to that place. You're going to flee to the cross. You're going to flee to salvation. You're going to flee to the place of deliverance from eternal torment. And he became an evangelist. He says in the next few weeks or something, that first party, like in, like in two weeks or something, he went door to door telling people about Jesus. He led like 500 people to Christ. Evangelist. Gotta love that. But there's no real unction. There's no real urgency if hell isn't real. And so we need to be aware. We need to remind ourselves. We need to get that onto our radar because that, that urgency will move us. If your neighbor's house is on fire, hey, you're going to act. You're going to act. You might even just jump up in the middle of the bock game and just storm out and go help them. You're going to move. Amen. Come on, say it. I'm going to move. <laughs> See, no one in their right minds will reject the love of God, the option of salvation. And so you and I need to help people to get into their right mind. Through our prayers and through our love, we can help them to get into their right mind. You see, hell wasn't made for man. It was made for the devil and his demons. It wasn't made for man. But the enemy deceives people. He has blinded the minds and the hearts of people. And so by default, we find ourselves lost. So look at this, the Romans 1, verse 14 to 16, it, it reveals the urgency that Paul the Apostle had. And also what we were singing in that song, the missionary's anthem. He says, I am a debtor. In other words, I owe. I'm a debtor both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to wise and to unwise. Paul is saying, I owe the world. <laughs> because I have been saved, I now belong to Jesus I'm a servant, a bond servant of God, and I need to tell everybody, I'm a debtor. I owe the world the good news of Christ. Verse 15. So as much as is in me, I'm ready to preach. It's like, I'm excited to come to Rome to preach the gospel, the good news of Jesus there. And verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I'm not ashamed. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. I think one of the most effective tools of the enemy is to bring shame onto the people of God. We are ashamed of the name of Jesus. Because, you know, if you go online and social media, they often mock all oh, the stupid Christians. You know, they mock they, you know, it's like the enemy wants to intimidate us to shut up, shut up, be silent, be intimidated, be bullied. Don't think you have anything special to bring. So the enemy tries to mock us and humiliate us and to silence us, you know, to make us terrified of looking stupid, you know. But Paul said, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of eternal life. I'm not ashamed of this incredible gift that I have received. It is the most precious thing I can ever receive. The gift of eternal life despite all my sins and my stuff and my past. Come on, say it. I'm unashamed. 
unashamed, unashamed. May, the, may a supernatural boldness come upon every one of us to realize what we carry and who is with us. That we may tell the world of this beautiful Jesus. The enemy tries to, tries to intimidate us. You know, no, let's be bold. And so for many Christians, they are like in this space, you know, like, oh, we're on the defense. We're on the defense. Oh, we're just holding on till Jesus comes back, till the rapture. I always think it's so funny, uh, you know, Left Behind series, the, uh, watching the movie about the rapture, and then, you know, and then the lady goes to the church, and then it's the pastor left behind. You're like, <laughs> that's a shock. <laughs> No, every one of us. I mean, he said, you know, I, I, I preached it, but I didn't live it. You need to live it. You can't just talk about it. You can't just say, well, I committed my life to Jesus 20 years ago. No, are you living the life now? Are you following Jesus now? And so, so many on the defense, the defense, the defense. When, when I read the scriptures, no, we are on the offense. We are attacking the gates of hell. We are called to plunder hell to populate heaven. That's Reinhard Bonnke's classic statement to assault. To plunder hell to populate heaven. Jesus said, I'm, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. We are not intimidated. We are not holding back. We are not afraid because our names are written in the book of life. It's like, let's do this. You know, it's like playing a computer game and you know you can't die. Because your name's written in the book of life. Let's have an adventure. Let's have some fun. Let's save some souls. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on. Plunder hell to populate heaven. So we are on the offense to see people set free from the lies of the enemy. We are storming the gates of hell. But then you need to know what you carry, and then you need to know who is with you. Well, what are we carrying? It says, I'm not ashamed of this gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. That word power is the word dunamis. We, we, we get the word dynamite from it. Okay, really. Spiritual TNT, and we're walking around and we're seeing fortresses, demonic fortresses and prisons that's binding people and, and keeping them in jail. And we're walking around and we're like throwing a hand grenade like, you're free, come on. And you're free, come on. You know, so when we preach, when we declare, when we share the good news of Jesus with others, it's like we're releasing spiritual dynamite to set them free. And so it is valid for us, you know. We don't go around saying, hey, you're going to go to hell, you're going to go to hell, you know. That tend to not be very effective. But, uh, <laughs> but there is a place to reveal to people, hey, your house is on fire. Your house is on fire. You're not a good person. You know, you found, you've broken the laws of God. You, if, you, if you die, you're lost. It, it brings an it awakens. But when we share the good news of Jesus, that he's the one that saves us, you know, it, it, it awakens. It's like break people out of that prison. So you have spiritual TNT. Come on. Spiritual hand grenades that you can go around. And when you share it, you break them out. You set them free. So here's the challenge. Something practical. You can, on one hand, pray. Pray. Pray for people by name that they'll be set free from the, 
blindness of what the enemies brought into, into their lives. And, and the next practical thing you can do is learn to share your testimony. Learn to share what Jesus has done for you. Learn to share, well, this is where I was. I was lost and all these things. And then Jesus came and he saved me. And this is how things have changed. Can you share your testimony in two minutes flat of what Jesus has done for you? Because that's like throwing that hand grenade out to set people free. So the one hand, know what you carry. You carry spiritual TNT. On the other hand, and who is with you, you need to realize the power of the Holy Spirit that is with you. So when you share with people, you're not alone. You're not doing it in your own ability. You're like, I need to try and convince. No, you're just partnering with heaven. You share your part and you pray. You love people, but Jesus saves. Come on, say it, Jesus saves. Have confidence in him, the one who saves the lost. And I love that. I love to, when, I, when I'm engaging with people, I love to share the gospel. I love to see the lights come on. I love to see, wow, okay, wow, I need to, like, yeah, I need to give my life to Jesus. I'm like, yes. And to see that change is beautiful. The greatest miracle we can ever see. No one in their right mind would ever reject the love of God. So let's help people to get into their right mind. No one in their right mind would ever willingly go to hell. No one. So let's help them to wake up from that reality. Let's help them to like realize, my house is on fire. I need to get out. I need to run to Jesus. I need to run to Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Last verse, Revelation 20, verse 11 to 15. It speaks of of judgment. It speaks of that day. This is where the apostle John, he had a, this incredible revelation of what, is gonna, what the future is going to be like. It says, then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, that's Jesus, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. I mean, imagine that. On that day, on judgment day, when God reveals all of his holiness, and justice. It's like heaven and earth will flee away because it has been tainted with sin. It has been, that's where we're going to get a new heavens and a new earth because it, you know, sin cannot stand in the glory of God. And then it says, and there was found no place for them. And it says, and I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. The CEOs of the world and the beggars. Everybody's in the same footing. I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works, by the things which were written in the books. So everything we do, it's written down. It's written down. God keeps track of every, every sin. You know, some people are like, you know, how can can a loving God send people to hell? But a better question to ask is, why would a loving God send people to hell? Because he is holy. Question. So if someone would rape your mother and kill her, is that okay? Should we just forgive it and go on? Is that okay? No, that's not okay. It's not okay. Justice must be done. A holy God will punish all sin 
at some point in the future because he's holy and he's just. And on judgment day, he is a perfectly holy and good judge. All sin will be punished unless we find ourselves in Jesus. Jesus paid the price. Okay, so judgment day, all sin, everything will flee because of that. It says, another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged according to their works by the things which are written in the books. Then the sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one, come on, say each one, each one, according to his works. Verse 14, then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. If your name isn't written in that book, you're in trouble. And so, Judgment Day is absolutely terrifying. The Apostle Paul was like, knowing the terror of God, knowing that that day I convince sinners. I tell people about this reality. J.C. Ryle, he said, Disbelieve hell. And you unscrew, unsettle, and unpin everything in Scripture. You may as well throw your Bible away at once. It unpins everything. If the hell, eternal hell isn't real, then nothing else makes sense. Nothing that Jesus did is that glorious or wonderful. It is all anchored in the reality of eternal torment and people being lost without Him. Everybody is lost. Everybody is is going to find themselves in their sins unless they turn to Jesus. So my question is this. Will you and I embrace the mission of Christ? Will we receive the eyes of, the, of God Almighty to be able to see who am I speaking to? Where is this person going to? Will this become number one on our radar? Because no other, nothing else matters in this life until this question is answered. Is your name written in the book of life? Are you on, your, on, on track to be with Jesus one day? If that question isn't answered affirmative, then nothing else matters. Everything else is, is just, it's just irrelevant. This life is so short. It is so short. And you and I are called by God to make a difference. So what if there's an, a list of names? Of people on God's heart that you are called to reach for Jesus. What if you are the one, you that soldier of the cross, that are destined to reach them with God's power and God's love? I know it might feel a little bit heavy, like a massive burden, but I'd rather see it as a privilege. God, wow, what an honor! To be an instrument in the hands of Jesus. To be a messenger for Christ. To be able to declare the good news of Jesus. And to, to, to save someone from the fires of hell. Wow. Come on. We need to embrace the mission of Christ. And I said it last week. And I want to encourage every one of us again with this. Life is going to happen. Challenges will come. But these things must be our primary mission. Let's get busy with Jesus' primary mission to seek and to save the lost. Let's plunder hell to populate heaven. Amen. Come on. Worship team, you guys can join me on stage. Please stand with me. I'm going to pray for us and I, we're going to do a few declarations. Oh, what if? 
you and I, what if we could pray together and shift the atmosphere over East London and over wherever we find ourselves, whatever city or town we find ourselves, if we could shift the atmosphere and suddenly people would like wake up like, I need Jesus. <laughs> My house is on fire. I need to run to the cross. Oh, man. I always think about Pentecost, that day where the Holy Spirit was poured out and it was thousands of people were cut to the heart and they asked this question, what must we do to be saved? Come on. What if God pours out His Holy Spirit in our cities, in our towns, in our communities, and wherever we find ourselves at work or over our families and suddenly they want Jesus? Wow. Come on, let's be soul winners. Let's plunder hell to populate heaven. And obviously part of this is you and I need to make sure we are right with Jesus. This is not a fairy tale. This is reality. This is the truth. And so we need to evaluate our own lives. And we need to ask ourselves, well, am I... You know, in the, in the reality of judgment day and giving an account for how we live, yo, I am very much, very much uh, moved to sort out my stuff. Now I'm not going to dabble in sin. Now I'm not going to stuff around, even when no one sees, because I know he sees. I'm going to sort out my life so that I can be that soldier of the cross. Focused. I want to be part of the elite forces, you know, like the, the Marines. They need to focus. So how about casting off the distractions and the sins that pull us down? And let's get busy with the main mission. To reach the lost for Christ that is what God wants to do so here's a few declarations it says I carry spiritual dynamite in the power of the gospel we're going to declare this to build out our faith I have an anointing to cause the lost to come to their senses today is the day of salvation but the day of judgment is approaching quickly and then lastly, together, we plunder hell to populate heaven. It's a dream. Every soul counts. Oh, but what if multitudes would turn? And God can use you and me to facilitate that. So let's declare it together to, to strengthen our faith. Come on, let's say it together. I carry spiritual dynamite in the power of the gospel. I have an anointing to cause the lost to come to their senses. Today is the day of salvation, but the day of judgment is approaching quickly. We plunder hell to populate heaven. Amen. Come on, take these declarations with you into this week and declare it every day. Declare who you are in Christ. Come on, say this with me. I'm a soul winner. God is with me. When I share with others, they turn to Christ. 
I am powerful in Jesus. Amen. You need to believe it. You need to believe it and get moving. Love moves us. So let me pray for us. Let's just open your hands before the Lord. I, I want to commission us today. I want to send you forth. I want to send us forth as soldiers of the cross. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you have not just saved us for ourselves. You've saved us to save others, to reach others with your power. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, Lord, for an, an urgency to come upon us, Lord, that, that you would touch our eyes, our hearts, the way we see, the way we think, that this will be of primary importance. The question of where people will spend their eternity. Lord, we pray for a boldness to come upon us, a supernatural boldness. We will not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. We will not be intimidated. We will not be, uh, we will not be silenced. In the name of Jesus, God, right now, I commission your people. And so, Lord, we pray that we would partner with one another to bring in the harvest. That we would do this together, not as soldiers on our own, but as an army together calling and bringing in the harvest in the name of Jesus I just sense in my spirit that God is going to give you opportunities he's going to give many of us opportunities it's like he's going to bring people to us it's just that they're going to be you must, you must just be aware who is ready for the good news of Christ but I have this sense of God imparting to us the spiritual radar system. We're just aware that who's ready because the harvest is always ready. There's always somebody ready to turn to Jesus. And Lord, I pray for this impartation of grace that we would know and then we'll boldly step into their home to share, into their lives to share about the love of God. Thank you, Lord. Let love move us and let the name of Jesus be glorified. Thank you, Lord, that we can commission your people. Thank you, Lord God, that today is the day of salvation. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. This sermon is brought to you by Shofar East London. Together, living out the fullness of Christ. We hope you enjoy this message.